Jeff Passan will join us in a few minutes as we continue our celebration of the New York Yankees 2022 American League East Division title. Today is Aaron Judge's arbitration hearing, correct? Mm-hmm. And we'll talk to Passan about that. We'll also talk to Passan about the Brewers. Jay started three game series against the Brewers. I do find that division race intriguing because it is. It's one of those two teams. It's just going to keep going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And I remember a time in the Central Division. It was a five-team race. Everybody hated everybody. Now it's just, it's, it's, it's two teams going at us. We'll talk to Passon about that. We'll talk to Jeff as well about, uh, about the Jays, about the trade market, and about umpiring. See if he thinks umpires have been as bad as everybody else seems to think they are. I've got a pair of tickets to give away to see the Jays and Rays, or we have a pair of tickets. I don't want to leave Mr. Barker out of this. We have a pair of tickets to see the Jays and Rays down at the Rogers Center on Thursday, June 30th. They got five games against the Rays, by the way. Don't forget there's that doubleheader. Mm-hmm. There. They got eight games against the Red Sox and the Rays. Whew. A lot of Adam Simber. <sighs> Stay hot. Uh, the question, and to... Uh, to get these tickets, all you have to do is text the correct answer to our daily trivia question to 59590. And uh, we've been doing this all year, giving you Jay's tickets here in Blair and Barker, whether you listen on the radio or on our podcast. The last time we asked you which Red Sox player has the record for most hits in a season, the answer was Wade Boggs, <clears throat> 240 in 1985. This one, I am proud to say, Kevin, how long did it take me to get the answer to this? Like five seconds? When our producer, Mark Boffo, asked mm-hmm. this question, I, I did it in five seconds. But, of course, I am the only Rays fan in the world, so you it are. stands to reason I would get this. Mm-hmm. Today's question to win tickets to the Rays and Jays down the Rogers Center on Thursday, June 30th. Which Rays player stole 60 bases in a single season? Again, which Rays player stole 60 bases in a single season? You can text the answer to 590-590 for your shot. The win see rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. Did you get that? No. Would you got it? No. And then you said it, and then the first thing I thought of was he's still still stealing money. Now you just gave it away. Well, no. He may, he may not be. I'm sure somebody else is paying for that. Anyhow. Not the Rays. <clears throat> Again, which Rays player stole 60 bases in a single season? Text the answer to 590-590 for your shot to win. I already mentioned the C rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I said Kiermaier. Who I said, and you you laughed. What I'm saying, like it makes people work a bit. It's bad enough that they're all going on Baseball Reference and things to find the answer. I wonder how many people had jumped in right away. Let me go to the let me go to the text Free line tickets. while we wait for for pass. do what you have to. So you can always tell because you get the text line's got a time code on it, right? So I can tell who, you know, I can tell who cheated and who didn't cheat here. Let's see. How many people have? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, a lot of people answered. Nobody's got it right. Wow. Wow. Well, this guy wasn't real good. Wow. He was good for like two years. Oh, come on. Got a ton of money. Some of you are just guessing. Ton of money. Somebody said Ricky Henderson. Come on. Come on. I got to read that. I'll read that question again. Is passing online? We'll get, we'll get passing in a minute, but I got to read that question again. Which raised player stole 60 bases in a single season? 
Text the answer to 59590 for your shot to win. See rules at sportsnet.ca slash 590. Rob M., you should be ashamed of yourself. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> you just called that person out. You should That's be ashamed rude. of yourself, Rob M. You really should. Hey, you guys are intentionally going all over the place. Here. Let's bring in Jeff Passan. God, we got some answers to this question that uh, are, are remarkable. Hey, uh, so uh, we, we've just decided that we're going to give the Yankees the ALEs title, Jeff. I think that's, that's, that's probably safe to do. Um, I got to ask you, uh, are they peaking? Huh. This is a, I'm asking you this question because Barker's been, been mentioning this. Is there a chance they're peaking too early? Does that happen in baseball? Sure it does. Jeffrey? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think about how to answer this. I, I think this is one of those things where everything happens in baseball because there are just so many games. You have spot examples of something somewhere. Right. Um, but, but the idea that this is a regular occurrence, that there's this team that looks like an absolute juggernaut, and then over time it just gets worse? Parker, really? Like, I, I, I mean, I guess it happens because everything happens. But the the notion that this is is something that it, that we see frequently now, not really. I mean, the, I I suppose there are teams that get off to really red hot starts and uh, just can't keep up the pace. Uh, I think. Uh, San Francisco a couple of years ago, it was like four or five years ago, maybe just stunk in the second half. That, mm-hmm. That's not going to happen with this. That's not going to happen with this Yankees team. It's yeah, I'm sorry. They're not going to be 120 win good necessarily, but uh, are they going to win 105, 110? Yeah, I think so. I do. Yeah. No, I, I'm kind of with you in that. I mean, and it's, you're, you're right. It's hard to tell because we tend to think of collapses as something that happens in September. Right, you know, like the right, right, 2011 right. Red Sox. I'm not saying it, collapse. Well, the collapse would be not winning the World Series. Right, right now they're the best team in baseball. That's what I'm saying is is all the little unknowns that you going into the season. If you're a Yankees fan, and now you're seeing them, and they're so great. You think those like Clay Holmes? See, I mean, Clay Holmes yeah, is really good, but they had think injuries. He's, he's going to be this good for the end of till the end of the season, no, which they, is the last game of the World Series. That's my point. I'm not saying they're not a great team right now because they are a great team. But sometimes being a great team from start to finish, you know, after the seven and six start, basically from there on, they've been just astronomically great. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I don't I don't give the Yankees in my mind much greater than a twenty five to thirty percent chance of winning the World Series. Right. I don't give any team much more than that because the playoffs are so difficult because you've got the best teams there because these teams uh, are constructed sometimes to be superior in October. Uh, you know, I was talking with Carlos Correa yesterday, actually, and um, we, we were having a conversation about Luis Arise, and he said that guy is made for October. And what he means by that is he doesn't swing and miss, and he makes – pitchers have extremely uncomfortable at bats mm-hmm. and there's a reason that the Houston Astros get deep into October every year and you can go ahead and make the trash can joke and yeah that like valid understood but the the reality is 
the Astros for a long time have been a really contact-oriented team. Alex Bregman does not swing and miss a lot. Jose Altuve does not swing and miss a lot. Yuli Gurriel, same thing. You can go on and on up and down that lineup. They didn't have a lot of swing and miss in the lineup. They put together good professional at-bats, and that plays against the type of pitching that you Mm -hmm. tend to see in October. So I think there are teams that are better made for it. And if you go and look at the Yankees right now, even though they have Judge and and Stanton and Gallo and Hicks, they have become a more contact-oriented team. So even that, which may have been a weakness in past seasons, has become more of a strength for them this year. Uh, You you mentioned Aaron Judge. Now, he's... You know, his arbitration hearing is today, um, and it, it, I think it's important to remind people that the, the arbitration hearing is going to be based on, la- it's on, based on last year's stats, right? Completely so, last year. Yep. Yeah, so whatever he's doing now, it, it's going to provide the context against which the, the announcement, whatever it is, or the decision is rendered. But the fact of the matter is the decision is rendered based on last year's numbers. Is, could there be anything like... If he wins this hearing or the Yankees win this hearing, is this going to change the dynamic surrounding a, a contract for him at all, Jeff? In other words, if it goes one way, does that increase the likelihood of him getting something done? If it goes in the other way, does it decrease the likelihood of him getting something done? Or is this just on a has this just gone to a different level now with with the type of year he's had? I I have a difficult time seeing today becoming one of those particularly contentious arbitration hearings, Mm -hmm. right? Um, This feels like a totally just the facts, ma'am, case. And maybe Aaron Judge looks at it, and there's no such thing in his mind as a just the facts, Mm ma'am, case. Uh, Maybe it's, uh, hey, we had a $4 million spread. I wanted $20 million and would have settled at that. The midpoint was $19 million. You're telling me that we had to do this over a marginal million dollars after what I have done for you the night before. And he understands Mm -hmm. that the night before isn't admissible in the arbitration room. But at the same time, the Yankees damn well know that Aaron Judge has been the most valuable player in the American League this year and the best player in baseball this year in terms of just straight up hitting. He has been. Like That's an undeniable thing and the best hitter in baseball this year. And so to do that over such a little amount because of principle, because Mm -hmm. the idea that if you can't come to a deal beforehand, you have to go to a trial, it's cutting off your nose to spite your face. And there is is a chance that Aaron Judge, a very competitive person, uh, an intelligent guy, somebody – uh, who I think has been doubted in his past for many reasons uh, and and has taken great joy and pride in disproving those doubters. Can that person take this and carry it going forward? Of course he can. Um, but that's an imprudent thing to do. And And one thing I think that athletes understand is that being prudent, being calm, being rational is generally speaking the best way to go about your free agency. It doesn't always work out, but when you're the guy who's coming off of a career best year and MVP type season, letting emotion get in the way of free agency is a recipe for disaster. 
And so uh, as much as it has the ability and opportunity to do that, Jeff, I, I just don't see Aaron Judge necessarily being that type of guy because I think, frankly, he's too rational for it. Mm. Speaking of emotions, I, I was on a little mini vacation and I flipped the TV on and I watched Guillermo Martinez take the lineup card for the Blue Jays and got <laughs> tossed. Yeah, you saw that. Doug Eddings had a bad night. We can say that, honestly. He had a bad night and Guillermo, the hitting coach, thought that you know he needed to represent his his hitters and walk up and say something. And I, it made me think, and me and Jeff led the show with this today, the conversation of... The Blue Jays coaching staff leads baseballs and get in baseball getting thrown out. I think they've they've been thrown yes, out seven seven times, and the closest team to them is three times. And I started thinking to myself, this is why me and Jeff led the show with this. How does other teams look at this? Do they think that the Blue Jays are whiners, or do you think you're the perfect guy to ask this because you're on the outside looking in? You can, you know, you can give a really legit answer to this because you can see big picture. Do you think other teams look at them as whiners or do you think that they think, oh, you better watch out. They're very aggressive and they're going to stick up for their team. Yeah, I think it's honestly probably a little more of the latter, but, but there's a question at that point of discipline, right? Mm -hmm. Like, is this, is this a disciplined enough coaching staff? And the answer is probably yes, but uh, you know, emotion, it can, it can swing both ways. It can be in your favor and it can be to your detriment too. And I think what other teams look at is, it, you know, if we can take that pendulum and make it on the disadvantageous side for them, then we can try to do that. You know, if you know that an opposing coaching staff can be put on tilt Aren't you going to try and get them there? Aren't you going to use those psychological elements to your advantage? And uh, aren't you going to test the fact that there there may not be similar discipline on that side? Um, you could do that, but but it also could work to your disadvantage too, because the the Blue Jays uh, are an emotional team, and and that emotion. Uh, can work against you if it's swinging in their favor, if they're getting behind their, their coach who has been booted from the game, or if they feel like uh, they're being treated unfairly, they can go and, and turn that into something positive. So it, it's a bit of a wild card, honestly. And, and something that you, you know, if you're on the other side, you don't know if you want to try and test that because as good as it could be for you potentially it also could be a bad thing and having that variance in the postseason say um everything you do in the postseason is looking to get rid of variance looking to get those marginal advantages and if the path to that marginal advantage could be disadvantageous too then you wonder whether it's worth going down the uh, Jays are going to see the Brewers over the next three days in Milwaukee. What is that division going to come down to, Jeff? The Brewers and Cardinals going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. What do you think that comes down to at the end of the day? Boy, um, I think pitching health probably um, because, you know, Milwaukee's been missing Freddie Peralta and Brandon Woodruff was out for a while there. And uh, Corbin Burns might be the most integral player in baseball and uh, a big part of the reason that the Brewers do what they do is because they've got Devin Williams and Josh Hader, the best eight, nine combo in baseball at the back end of their bullpen. And with the, the Cardinals, 
you know, their rotation is they've looked like they've needed something there all year long because their lineup with Nolan Gorman, Brendan Donovan, some of these young guys coming up and, and Paul Goldschmidt playing MVP type baseball and Nolan Arenado and Tommy Edmond, who might be the most underrated player in baseball in the middle of it. Like their bats have been superlative this year, but their rotation was missing something. And here comes Jack Flaherty. What Jack Flaherty are we getting? And how long is Jack Flaherty going to pitch for and stay healthy for? If Jack Flaherty, I'm not even saying if he's his second half 2019 self. I'm saying if he's a above average to well above average starting pitcher, the the Cardinals might be the favorite because their lineup is just so much better than the Brewers is. But uh, they they need that performance from the rotation. And matching up with the Brewers pitching is a tough thing for even the best teams in baseball to do. Jeff, from what you've seen from the Blue Jays with their starting rotation, do you think they will have to give up a prospect to get a Luis Castillo or a Frankie Montas, meaning the the Morenos of the world, the Ralvis Martinez, and maybe throwing a big leaguer. This is something they have to, not because they want to. No. I mean, I don't personally think they're at the point where they're, they're starting pitching depth necessitates them going out and getting one of the frontline guys. Mm. And, and maybe, listen, maybe that's just, me being naive here, I understand the desire for one, but I, I also look at things or try to look at things holistically. And if I am Mark Spiro and Ross Atkins right now, I'm asking myself, do I want to mortgage my future for a year in which I'm going to be a wild card team? Because that's the reality at mm-hmm. this point. Yankees almost certainly are going to win the American League East. So I'm going to be in a wild card round, which is a best of three. And the way baseball is, even the better team could very easily be swept out of that wild card round. And I understand Castillo and Montas both come with an extra year. So it's not like they're pure rental plays, right? Mm-hmm. But at the same time, uh, first off, you're not trading Gabby Moreno, period. Like, you're just not doing that. Um, Aurelvis Martinez, maybe maybe you could make the argument that he looks like a, a power first uh, bat who's on base percentage simply isn't going to get to the point where he's going to be the, the star, star caliber player that you hoped he would be. But even then, I'm sorry, when you have a a power bat like that, you're not giving up on him this early in his career. There's just too much downside there to make a play for 2022 at this point. Uh, If you can make the trade without him, without Moreno, um, yeah, you know, are, are you putting Ricky Tiedemann in there? No. Mm-hmm. It's another one. No, mm-hmm. off limits. Not doing it at this point. And to me, that's not a failure if you don't go out and get Castillo or Montas. And, and I hope Blue Jays fans recognize that, that the where the team is at this point 
and the universe surrounding it is important context to understand leading up to the trade deadline. And it's something that not only are the Blue Jays taking into account, something that the Red Sox are, something that the Rays are, something that the Astros are, uh, something that the Twins are, the Guardians are, all the teams that are going to be in the mix in the American League understand that everything, everything this year theoretically runs through the Yankees. Jeff, really good stuff as always, my friend. Thank you for this. Thank you. Gentlemen, have a great weekend. You too. It's Jeff Passan, ESPN, MLB insider. And that, uh, listen, then that, that's, I mean, that, that's really well said. You are not, if you are the Blue Jays, and we joke about the Yankees winning the division, you're not, you're not going to win the AL East. So you are essentially planning for a wild card series. And you have to ask yourself, is it worth um, mortgaging that future, knowing the decisions you're going to have to make in the next year or two? Mm. Is it worth that for a wild card spot? For me, it is. For, for, for me, it is. Well, here, Relvis Martinez, is, is a, he has a lot of all or nothing in his swing without a position that he's going to play. Uh, Marino, look, can you see yourself without him two well, years from now winning a World Series? Absolutely. But, but so, here's the thing. You say it's, Martinez doesn't have a position. And again, this, Matt Chapman's not going to be your third baseman for the next five years. Well, you're asking a lot. Well, I'm, I, I, I'm, I, I'm just saying you, I, you, you. We already said, and here's the thing, and then there's a double-edged sword. Five Kevin. years from now, you're you're looking at what, where's your shortstop, where's your first well, baseman, it, where's your right fielder. There's a lot of things. Where's your center fielder? Because the, the way he's looking now, that's the. How's count- that going to look five years from now? So you're looking at how can you look big picture that far away when right in front of you anything can happen. If you put the right pieces to add to what you've got now, why not? Let's, but let's, well, let's just look at this team. Let's look at this team. You've got two starters you can count on. <clears throat> Pardon me, three mm-hmm. starters maybe. Let's give Barrios the benefit of the doubt. Three starters you can count on. Nate Pearson's not coming anytime soon, so you're no, you have no internal help for your bullpen. You, you know, really right now, you look at that bullpen – Tim Mesa. Who who's the like who's the sure thing? I, is there one? Jordan Romano's not a sure thing to me. Nope. Cause I can't use Jordan Romano in a playoff series as my closer, because I may need him to go to get five outs one night and, and and three outs the next night. I can't do that right now. So I've got starting pitching needs. I've got major needs in the bullpen, not just one arm. I got at least two arms, two legit arms I need to add. And my lineup needs balance. And I got to do that in a manner that doesn't take away from the fact I need a great defensive center fielder because my great defensive center fielder is not going to play, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a postseason series. Chances are that George Springer is going to have to DH one of those games. Mm. So there's a lot for this team to do to address the things that need to be addressed in order to make this team the the best team in the American League. And I just I just don't know if you can do it all this year. I don't know if you can do it at a time where the Yankees are doing what they're doing now. This is to your point. 
you have to ask yourself, how long are you going to have Bo, Vladdy, and Manoa earning the money they're earning? At some point, we talked about this, the rubber's going to meet the road with those guys. It just is. Mm-hmm. And we can you know, close our eyes to it and plug our ears and go, I, 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 I don't want to hear it, don't want to hear it. What's going to happen? So you're in a situation like the Leafs are in without a salary cap. You probably want to take your best shot in the next three years. But what if this year isn't your best shot because the Yankees are just too damn good? Like you try to find something about the Yankees that says this isn't sustainable other than, well, no one can win at that at that pace. You look at their underlying numbers. They're better defensively. Their bullpen's great. The rotation is historically good by Yankee standards. Their offense is historically good by Yankee standards. I mean, man, it's... I I know what I'd do if I'm them. I'm I'm leaning more towards you. I'm taking a shot at, at winning this thing this year. Me too. Because I know that if I get in a short series against the... What I'm looking at is this. What gives me a chance to beat the Yankees in a series right now? What do I have to do? I can't do everything. I know I'm not going to be able to address every issue. I mean, even if I wanted to back up the truck, it's not like every team in baseball is going to stand by and say, okay, well, we'll let the Jays get their left-handed hitter. We'll let them get their starting pitcher. We'll let them get two bullpen arms. I guarantee you that the, the, the Red Sox are going to put up their, arm, their hand and go, hey, hang on here. I guarantee you the Yankees are in a position where they can make a deal to prevent the other teams around them from getting better. I just don't see how you can come into a season talking about the way the Blue Jays organization was talking about winning a World Series, carrying a trophy across the field, and you're wanting to give that up for prospects you may never see. I, I was a prospect once. Yeah, but, but Kevin. I was the top but prospect. Kevin, but Kevin, I just don't understand that. I, I, like, that's what we do. We beat that prospect thing to death. Look how look how the minor league system looks. What's about winning yeah. at the big league level? And I could use a traded Bo Bichette to, to reboot my minor league system because it's going to happen. Like, let's face reality here. You're not you're not paying all three of them, and plus Teoscar. Like, you're just not going to do it. So, for me, I just don't understand that. Like, yeah, people are going to say Barker wanted Bichette traded. That's not what you're saying. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. Five years from now, realistically, you could see everybody that's on this team now that's young still on the team. No, but you got a really good team now, and you can put some pieces around those guys, some some experience pieces, some guys who've been there and done it before. The the spotlight's not too big for him. That's all I'm saying. You're you the winner. You don't. Yeah, listen. It's, You're in the American League East. Deal with it. It's yeah, just the way it is. I I I get that. And there's no there's no reason to think that it's going to get any easier next year. If anything, the Red Sox are going to have some of their minor leaguers come up next year. I get all that. But what I'm saying is, you know, it, it's we don't know what the Jays brain trust thinks of their team right now. We know what they thought at the start of the year. Sure. But at the start of the year, I think you had reason, more reason to be optimistic than you do now. At the start of the year, you thought, you know, you were signing Jose Barrios, your, your ace for the next few years. Um, it's funny how this team's got a feel of know. 10 games under 500 than a team with oh, it does. that's 10 games above 500. It's it does. funny how that is. It, it's, it's, it really does it's have bizarre. a feel like that. It's bizarre. You need to look at the standings. This team's still in the playoffs. This team sure holds a is. playoff spot. But it, it, you're right. It seems as if, it seems as if it's, it, it's in crisis. And it's, it's not in crisis, but it, 
it's nothing that Vladdy Jr. hitting 395 in, the, in a month wouldn't cure. Put it that That's way. That's well said. Uh, it is time to do Barker's back leg bits. So we will take a break and come back. Uh, DMs are still open. We've got a lot of them for Kevin. Uh, we have collated them. I've put them together. I've organized them nicely. I've rated them. I've ra- no, it's not true. I just go into my DMs and I pull out the first one I see. Actually, it's not true either because if I did that, if I pulled out the first thing in my DM right now, we'd be off the air. So um, Barker's back leg bits. I'm serious. You should see what this guy says. Barker's back leg bits are next. It's Blair and Barker on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. 360 and as always, wherever you get your favorite podcast. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has... Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now. Discussing the biggest stories that matter to Toronto sports fans. The Fan Morning Show with J.D., Blake, and Alish. Be sure to subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, Barker's all fired up. You Not got a, true. You got a couple of shout-outs no, you yeah, want to I give. I do, because all my DMs, when I, was, when I was sitting doing nothing, smoking stogies, which is kind of nice, not having to hear your voice and you yelling and screaming at me between breaks about, yeah, well, yeah, about the minor league system, how great that is. Nice. Yeah, yeah, so that's, that's why. So, but there was a couple of uh, Don, Don Moore, Dean, and Karen sent me the nicest DMs, so they're all big fans of this show. Well, they're big fans of mine. I'm not sure they're big fans of yours, but... They're big fans of mine and one and the same. They love baseball and thanks for tuning in and go Jays. It is time for Barker's back leg bits. It's time for Barker's back leg bits. Didn't I just? I remember Kevin could rake in the Texas league. He killed that league. Well, that's what you remember. I I was that good of a player. That's why I went to had a you know a super long career in the big leagues. I'm just kidding. So we're we're basically Lance is collecting clips of Just people who when they were when they were dude. when they were minor league announcers talking about how good you were. Yeah, there's nothing wrong. Hey, you had six big ones in the big leagues too. Be I afraid know. to throw one of those on there. I know. Well, the the problem we have is that the one we have they the announcer. Well, it's Jamie. Jamie Campbell sounds mm-hmm. surprised, frankly. That like you he didn't know it. my name. Well, like you didn't know your name. Yeah. Hmm. Well, he knows it now. Mm-hmm. So it is time for Barker's back leg bits. We've got, uh, because we were off for three, Monday, what a bitch, Tuesday, four days, uh, we've got a ton of uh, bits to get to. So I want to I wanna rattle through this as quickly as I possibly can. Uh, this is from MDB82. Will Manoa and Kirk be the starting battery for the All-Star game? Hmm. They should be. I look, I, I you probably yeah, but Kirk, he's deserving. Kirk's gonna get in. He's gonna yeah, 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 be he's the leading vote getter. He, he's he's deserved. He's done, he's done a really good job. Now, now I'd love to see him catch more and be able to do that. Show you he can do that three days in a row. But that's just me. Body type won't won't allow him to do that. Offensively, he's earned it to go to the All Star game. So I'm with you there. And Alec Manoa, look, I'm a big fan of his, and 
Yeah, we are. Pro- he probably won't start the All-Star game. That's what this person's asking. But I'm sure it'll be a bigger name. <clears throat> I'm with you. Sure. But I, he'll be there. He'll, he'll be on For the sure. All-Star. I'm not. Yeah. Well, let's, I mean, he's got starts against Boston and Tampa coming up. Let's see what he does. Let's see what he does. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, I, I think Alejandro Kirk, is. it's just one of those stories. He'll get in the All-Star sure. game. And um, you Manoa, think he'll catch I, or they have to DH him? No, he'll catch. Was oh, that a load it, management day? That's rude. That's this is from Mam West. Glad to hear you guys again. We're glad. Oh, to be that's back. nice. How much does having a rookie catcher impact a pitcher's struggles? Kirk caught Gossman instead of Moreno, and I was wondering if that had to do with Gossman's recent struggles in the Jays wanting someone with more experience Absolutely. catching him. Absolutely. You listen to every catcher that covers. The Blue Jays, they all say the exact same thing. It's whenever everything's going well and they're all in agreement and that thing's coming out hot and he's locating and that best secondary pitch is just dominating hitters, everything's great. But when it's not and you need that veteran guy who's been there and done it before who knows how to get him through certain parts of that game, that's when you really notice you need that veteran guy. You need that presence behind the plate and they don't have it. You got to ask yourself, if no Danny Jansen was here, do you feel comfortable – with the Blue Jays, two young catchers in the playoffs. I don't. I'm going to raise my hand yeah, and say you. I don't. I, I mean, I'm okay. I, I want, well, I'm really comfortable with Alejandro Kirk having his bat in the lineup and catching maybe sure. maybe twice. Uh, well, I'm not going to, I'm not going to get down on Gabriel Moreno or anything like that. All I know he's 22, is 22. He's learning. Uh, he's learning. It's tough to do that in, in, in the major leagues. It's tough to do that with the starting rotation that has, you know, a couple of guys who are going through hiccups right now. Uh, I, I will say this, you know, we have a lot of catchers who cover this team. And I think there has been an awful lot of constructive, honest dialogue around Gabriel Moreno. And the fact of the matter is there are people who you, you're, you're not going to get you're not going to get teammates or the, or the pitching coach or the manager to come out and say, you know what? Gabby didn't do a real good job tonight. Mm-hmm. They're not going to say that, nor should they. But you have people around the team who know what they're talking about who will just tell you. It doesn't mean that he's a, he's a disaster, but there are reason to wonder whether or not he's ready to catch three out of five on a team that wants to win the World Series. I'm not certain he is. I'm not certain he is Played ready. 35 games in AAA. Yeah, which it doesn't mean that he won't be at the start of next year. Sure. It doesn't mean he won't be later on this year. Right now, right now, for me, Danny Jansen can't get back soon enough. Can't teach experience. He can't get back soon enough. Patrick Rutledge. Hey, guys, with the umpire talk of late, mm. do teams scout umpires to try and pick up their tendencies? Um, Boy, that's... That gets back to the, the experience catcher part of it. I, I, Sal Fasano yes. used to always tell me, Marquise Grissom used to always tell me this too, don't look at who's pitching, look who's catching. The catcher will tell you everything you need to know, how he's going to set you up, what he's throwing with two strikes. He's going to try and be unpredictable. He's calling no, the game. But I guess what, he's I, putting the fingers down. I understand that. But I'm saying they can – experienced catchers can use that to their advantage. Yeah. Like that Doug Eddings guy. He was big away to everybody. He's given them that. You know that. That's a, even further to the point where late in games, if you're an experienced catcher for the Blue Jays, why aren't you going out there? Go there more. Make him call pitches that far off the plate. So, for me, it's 
Do they do they do they scout them? No, but I, I wouldn't think they would scout them. But I do know when experience and you know a Doug Eddings behind the plate, you know that he's going to give you bigger strike zones. I can tell you that the pitchers know what their stats are with a guy behind the plate, a certain guy behind the plate. Sure. First of all, you can find it online. But secondly, they know. They know. They know that there are guys that are more favorable to the to the way they pitch. I mean, they just do. Pitching hitters, to. umpires. That's... Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if there's... It used to be back in the day before, uh, before there was so much video and so many stats available. You would have a catcher you'd go up to catcher before a game and say how does this guy call the game and you'd get you'd depend on the catcher catcher breaking that down i when i covered the expos mike fitz <clears throat> pardon me mike fitzgerald as a catcher was great at that mm. mike fitzgerald could tell you what this guy is going to do and 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 but that's also him talking about what he has seen in those games where he is catching with the guy behind the play uh, I think there's probably more information available now, but I, I I can't imagine Kevin that you would structure your game around the umpire. I mean, if you if you if you're having difficulty throwing a certain pitch, and you're looking at the umpire behind the plate nope. and going in the past, this guy's given me that as a strike. I just don't I don't no think you can do that. No question that Dylan C saw Doug Eddings behind there giving him five inches off the plate. He's like, my throw 99 miles an hour with that. a slider. I'm going to start it on the corner and have it break five inches off the plate because he's going to give it to me. Audrey Barnes, question for Barker. If the Jays go out and make a trade for a closer, then where does Jordan Amano fit into the bullpen? With his struggles to pitch with men in base and poor stats, overall non-save situations, would he be moved to be a setup man or could he potentially be included in the trade? Ah, you ain't trading him. Like, he's got enough power. He's had enough success. If you're careful enough with him, you know, for me, it's more about the day before. It's how many batters, how many pitches he throws mm -hmm. on what you're going to get the day after. But further to your point, you mentioned you're going to need him in the playoffs to throw back-to-back, -back, maybe, you know, have two days and have a day off and then come back the third day and pitch again. Is he capable of doing Ask that? Nothing that you've this. seen I know. from him will tell you that. So a hybrid, I would say that. Anywhere from the seventh to the ninth inning, depending on how everybody I'm else threw and those kind of things. And you don't have to talk him into it. Say this is the way it's going to be. Yeah. Go out there and do it. I'm with you. I, I don't think Jordan Romano can close, can be the guy in the postseason. I think he can be a guy. I think you can have him and Jimmy Garcia and somebody else. You can have three guys and figure out how to, how to make it work. But, you know, Liam Hendricks is a bad example of this, but he's not going to be Liam. He's not going to be a guy that's going to give you multiple innings one day and then, or give you one and two-thirds one day and then one the next day. You, and, and I can't go into the playoffs looking at my scorecard if I'm Charlie Montoyo and having the dude who has saved the most games for me not available. I just, I, he has to be available. You know, maybe you get a, a weird circumstance where you've got, you've had a, I don't know, a hundred inning game or something like that. I mean, yeah, circumstances always come up, but push comes to shove. I need to have my closer available to go back to back days and know that I'm getting them. I can't afford him to go. For, I can't afford him to go 99 one day and 95, 96 the next day. I just can't. And that's what scares me about more, Jordan Romano. It's more 93, 94. But he's a big routine guy. And you've noticed that they try and keep him, give him a clean inning. They don't want to bring him in with a runner on first, a runner on second. He seems to not. I don't want to say can't do that because that's a big word and that's the wrong word. But the, the challenges are mechanically. He's an expand guy. He's a stuff guy. He's not a location guy. He needs that clean inning to be able to 
work his way through uh, the ninth inning, and I get back to that ninth inning. You you would have to give him some time September if you do add a piece that's better than he is, quite frankly, that can handle the load, the spotlight of doing it back-to-back and then take a day off and give it to you the next day and do it at the highest level. You're going to have to give Jordan some time to figure out routines of pitching the seventh inning, a pitch in the eighth inning. He's a big routine guy. And to get the best out of Jordan Romano, you sort of got to work him into those kind of situations. And that'd be a great problem to have, wouldn't it? Right now, they don't have an option. Parlay Pug. This is from a couple of days ago, actually, but it was uh, uh, talking about Nate Pearson, uh, who, uh, as we mentioned, came out of his last appearance with a sore right shoulder. He's saying, we need to move on from this guy. The fact that he throws 100-plus doesn't matter. I haven't seen him throw 100-plus. Never seen We it. see that happen way too often in 2022. He says, I give up on him. So what do you do with Nate Pearson? He's a throw-in for me. He needs to change the scenery. He needs, he needs a different voice. He needs just to sort of blank slate start over for me. Anyway. Yeah. And, and, I, and he, he he's a guy that, here it is. And I got traded. I went from being a top prospect to from the Brewers to the Padres. And when I got, went to the Padres, that's just another guy. You had to earn your spot. And I earned my spot my way to the big leagues. And I take good pride in that. Nate Pearson needs that. I don't want to say this in a bad way, but Nate Pearson's been babied for a very long time. There ain't no other way to say it. He has been. And he's been given opportunities that most other guys haven't been given because everybody thinks he can throw 110 miles an hour and lo- locate and stay at over 100 miles an hour. I've never seen it. Have you ever seen it? Nope. I haven't seen it either. So for me, he's the guy that if you can trade at a prospect to get maybe a big-time starting pitcher, which I think they need to, that's just me, you throw Nate Pearson in there to maybe soften the blow of having to give up somebody else because realistically, what do you think? Even if Nate came up tomorrow, who's Nate pitching? Uh, like, would you would you ever give Nate Pearson the ball in the eighth inning? Nate, Absolutely not. Yeah, right now it's hard to see. Who are you giving see. it to him? Right now it's hard to see Nate Pearson helping me this year. And as for next year, I got Manoa. I got Barrios. I got Gossman. Maybe I've got Stripling. Ricky Tiedemann's down in the mine. I mean, and I would have to ask if he's starting. and Because I've never, I've never seen Nate Pearson go three or four or five innings. So if he's starting, the issues that they have now when you say Kikuchi starts. Of, yeah. of how they're trying I'm to piece you. it together. And now you'd have to piece two of them together. I'm with Really? You. So, no, not for me. I just, I would, that would be a throw in for a trade that get what I really wanted. Yeah. I, I've said this and I felt this. I do think that there does come a time where a guy needs a quote unquote change of scenery. It's just, it's not working out for whatever reason. Um, the Jays haven't, the Jays haven't been able to figure out how to keep this dude healthy. So maybe it's time it's for not, some. Maybe it's time for somebody else. I'm going to raise my hand. Maybe it's say, time for somebody else. It's to not the Jays' job to keep him healthy. I'm sorry. I hate to tell you, everybody that it's not. I played baseball. I played 16 years and I've got hurt. I've played on the worst fields imaginable. You know why? Now I played first base, so I didn't have to run around as much as a center fielder did. But I knew how to take care of myself, keep myself on the field. It's not up to the Jays to do that. It's up to Nate Pearson to figure that out. And that's my point. Gets back to maybe he needs a different voice and maybe. He needs to be pushed a little bit and say, you're just another guy here. Hmm. Yeah, you're pretty clear about that. Well, I mean, it's sometimes it's hard to hear, but some players need to hear it. Ryan from Lorette, Manitoba. I'm only I'm going to read this question because I, I his last line intrigues me. Why does watching the Jays feel like watching my kids and watching the Yankees beat up in the Astros feel like I'm watching a machine pound out wire? 
I know what it is. He's a lineman. There you go. He's a lineman, like a hydro dude. That's got to be what it is. Mm. Lineman. I get a pound out wire. Um, Can't compare the two. No. I, the, the, the Yankees are having a historic year. They're, this is my point. The passing poo-pooed it and so did you about can they continue this an entire season. I don't think so. I, I think sometimes it's going to just run out. But you I, have they're to, they're but you a really, have, really good team, and they've to had to do this here. Why? Why do you think? I, I just, well, injuries, longevity. They've already been injured. They haven't had their closer. Judge missing time? They haven't had a role as Chapman. I, uh, their lineup is what's going to take them and their starting pitcher. Garrett Cole isn't even their best starting Clay, pitcher. Clay, Clay Holmes is their, is their closer, and he dominates people. Mm. You realistically think he can do that an entire season? I'm not trying to take anything away from them. they got a great team, and they do things. And if you watch their lineup, why they're so good, is they take pitchers' pitches. MJV, what do you think about Daniel Bard of the Rockies? Lights out closer to pair with Romano would be an awesome duo. See, that... If the Jays want to address their bullpen issue, that's the type. They're going to have to get Daniel Bard plus another Daniel Bard type on. I, I don't know if Mark Melanson and Daniel kind of Bard, can Daniel Bard track. keep it up? I mean, because real, they are probably not going to go out and get the two best closers on the market yeah, right they, now. They don't need to do that. They're, they're not going to do that. Somebody else is going to do that. Just get something better than what you have right now. Give me a buffer for Romano. Give me a buffer for Jimmy Garcia. Let Adam Simber do what he's going to do in the in the sixth inning. Uh, you know, or if he's going to trick people, it's just I don't want to see him. I don't want to see him three. I don't want to see him three times in a four game series. I don't want to see Adam Simber three times in a four game series. Look at it that way. And I think Daniel Bard. You know, I'd like to see them do better than that, but he's effective this year. It could be a Daniel Hudson type thing. So, yeah, I, I absolutely think that's the type of addition they're going to have to make because they're not – the Jays aren't going to go out and get the best left-handed hitter available, the best starting pitcher available, and the two best relievers available. They just aren't because nobody does that. They're not operating in a vacuum. There are going to be people bidding for those things that don't need all those things. The Red Sox. They don't need more balance in their lineup, so they can take their trade chips and go all in to get that starting pitcher or that reliever. It, that concerns me about the Jays right now is I'm beginning to think they need more to get where they need to go than they can get. That makes sense. Sure does. Pitching can defense and win you a lot of games, though, especially in the playoffs. Look at the Brewers, what the Brewers are trying to do. And the one thing we have not talked about yet, and I am going to say this, the Blue Jays' defense – has we been, didn't. We didn't. Has we been didn't, really good when Matt really Chapman good. is in the yeah. game. And you can tell. I talked to Santiago Espinal. I know he's one for his last twenty-eight, but I talked to him before I went on my little, my little break there, and he was saying moving to the left side of the infield is not the easiest thing to do. Mm-hmm. It puts a lot of pressure on angles and jumps, and ball just comes off the bat a little different. I'm not trying to make excuses for his woes offensively because they're pitching him backwards now. You, what the old saying is, you, you find out if a guy can hit the hater, and then when he sh- he shows you he can, they start pitching backwards a little bit. We haven't even mentioned, by the way. Uh, George Springer's elbow. I we have. I mean, I made it. Made a note. We got talking about all sorts of other stuff. Have we heard? We, I guess maybe today we'll get more of an update on George Springer's elbow. Throwing elbow. You know what that says to me? Don't say it. Well, if he's going to DH, well, it
Yeah, that's true. Weird swings. He's been taking some weird swings. All right. There you go. We'll just end the show with that. George Springer's elbow. <laughs> oh, there's always a crisis. That's it for us. We'll be on Blue Jays Talk Sunday following the Jays-Brewers game. Don't forget, three-game series against Milwaukee starts tonight. It'll be Alec Manoa against Adrian Hauser. Have yourself a great weekend.